In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Some of you might remember that famous scene in the 1959 Disney cartoon Sleeping Beauty of that little cottage in the woods. And yes, we are beginning this morning with Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> the Disney cartoon. But if you remember, there's this scene where we see the cottage sitting nestled in the trees, sort of in the dark almost, in the shadows of the woods. And in the midst of that, we see the three fairy godmothers inside the house trying to prepare a special birthday for Aurora. And they're making a cake and they're cleaning the house and then they start to make a dress for her to celebrate in. And they let themselves use their magic for the first time in 16 years. And every time they do something magical, there's this little cloud of sort of stardust, this bright kind of magic cloud that comes out of their magic wand and it starts to pile up in the house. And then it starts to leak. It starts to spill out the door and out the window. And eventually it sort of gushes in these big clouds up the chimney. And it comes creeping through all the other cracks and crevices in the house, leaking out into the woods. They're using so much magic that they're actually discovered because there shouldn't be that much power, that much color, that much life in the middle of the woods. Their gifts give them away. It is otherworldly and hard to believe. And of course, because it's a cartoon and it's a fairy tale, it is nigh on impossible. This image of power and of life pouring out of every crack and crevice, however, shining in the midst of the darkness of the woods, giving away the power of the one inside is exactly how I imagine this gospel text this morning. That evening, at sundown, the whole town gathers around the door to what would have been a very small, probably mud-built dwelling. You might even call it a hut of some sort. And they bring him everyone who is sick or possessed with demons. Everyone probably in the whole town who had any kind of struggle at all. And he heals them and casts out demons. Now remember, we talked a little bit about demons last week and that one of the modern interpretations for this kind of a story is that unclean spirits keep us from community. They are the things that keep us from living a full, whole life with God and with our neighbor. So one way for us to imagine this scene this morning is that Jesus is expending some kind of power, not clouds of colorful magic stardust, obviously. His power is very different and comes from somewhere very real. But we know from other places in scripture that he expends some kind of energy, some kind of power that he can feel leaving his body when he heals people, when he performs miracles. So over and over again in this scene, as people are coming to him and he's touching them and healing them and freeing them from whatever mental or physical impediment they're experiencing from sickness and disease, maybe even from some things we wouldn't normally name, things like anxiety or fear or pain or grief, addictions, prejudices, grudges, even hatred. It's reasonable to think that as he frees people, as he heals them, as he sets them free and welcomes each one of them back into some kind of new life, back into community, that there's some kind of energy that's expelled. There's some kind of change in the atmosphere, something that shifts for those who are able to perceive it. Maybe not a light pouring out in the darkness, but something different to behold. And the whole town is gathered to see this, crowded at the door, and, and if there were any windows, I can imagine them sort of leaning in, everybody kind of pushing 
to get a little closer, hopefully gently, to hear him, maybe wondering what he could do for them or what he could do for someone that they love. Maybe they look a little foolish, all of them grown adults trying to lean in and reach out for this man that they barely know who seems to have this otherworldly kind of power. But there's something noticeable, something different that calls them to this space. And what they see would have truly amazed them, that he had power over all of these things. After this night, the text tells us that he rests and then gets up early in the morning to go off by himself to pray because he knows that he needs to return to God, to himself, to his center, to his core. He knows that his source of power needs to be renewed and refreshed by his own spiritual life. This is one of those few important moments in scripture where we see Jesus go off by himself to pray. Particularly after busy scenes like this one, we often see him put some distance between him and, and even the disciples who are the closest people to him, knowing that he needs silence and prayer and to be alone with God. And this never seems to come as a surprise to the disciples. So there's reason to believe that he does this fairly often after a busy day, after a busy night of healing, after a, a day where he's met resistance to his teaching and to his mission. The disciples are never surprised that he's gone off by himself. They're just off to look for him. So this is a pattern of Jesus's. He's aware that he needs this time and he needs this space. And it's this refreshment that allows him then, when the disciples find him, to be ready to go back to work. And he is. He's already ready to go on to the next town to share the message, to continue healing and freeing God's people, because he is, after all, a man on a mission. He is aware of the shortness of life, of the gravity, of the breadth and depth of the work that he has to accomplish in a very short period of time. And he is aware, keenly, acutely, I would imagine, aware of the stark human need that confronts him everywhere he goes. And he is ready to get back to work after he has tended to his own prayer life, his own spiritual life, his own connection with God. And we see this cycle sort of over and over again in the text. Jesus is both aware of his own need for God, his own need for silence and for prayer and for refreshment, his need for his connection to be meaningful with God. And he is just as aware of the needs of God's people, their need to hear the message in the limited time that he has, their need to see the light that only he can show them. And so he's constantly sort of balancing these two things in scripture. And yet, they seem to feed each other. The ability to be connected to God and the ability to be connected to God's people at the same time. So what does this text have to say to us this morning? On this Sunday when we will have our annual meeting, when we will do what we do every year and look together, sort of standing on the precipice, look at the year that has passed, at what was, and look a little bit to the future. Just a, just a little bit to imagine what might be possible and what God might be calling us to in the year ahead. This year, I am especially mindful of what we carry as we come to this day, of the new burdens and new scars, the new hurts sort of inflicted and intensified by this season, the things that we need God to heal, the things that we have endured this year that have been remarkably different than any other year. And this morning, I want to invite you to think about those things, 
to not dwell on it, but for the moment together right now to think about the things that are normal life challenges, normal life griefs that would have come to you probably anyway. But think also about the things that have been intensified by this season, by our need for distance. This text wants you to hear that the good news is for you. Our savior has the power to heal and to save you. In fact, there is nothing that he doesn't have power over. His power is stronger than any other force and any other power we will ever encounter. And while we may not always understand God's ways, God sees all of you. You have no secrets from God. And so all of those little darkened, broken, hurting places that you think you can hide from others and maybe even from yourself, God can heal those and free you. But this text is very clear to say that we have to be willing to crowd around the door. We have to be humble ourselves enough, maybe even to act a little foolishly, to lean in to this man who has this power that is otherworldly, to believe that something like that is possible and to make time to find him and to hear him and to try to grow closer to him. In order for us to have the abundant life that Jesus promises and to find that fulfillment that God has wanted for us since the foundation of the world, we have to know where to look. We have to know his voice when we hear it. We have to have the eyes to see God's hand at work in the world. And we won't know all that. We won't be able to identify him if we don't attend to our spiritual lives. To do that, we have to be part of a faith community that was always part of the Christian contract. That is always who we were built to be, Christians in relationship. We cannot be good Christians by ourselves. We need each other. We need the sacraments. We need community. And we need that community to teach us the story of Jesus. We have to learn from that community, from each other, how to pray. How to make time, just like Jesus does, for that refreshment and for time alone with God, even when we are busy and harried and tired and cannot imagine even finding two seconds in the day to settle into something like that. These sort of basic core spiritual practices, knowing our story and making time for God, these are the things that help us to find fulfillment, that allow us to live out our, bapt our baptismal covenant and to do the work that God has given us to do. Because the truth is that once we have seen that light in the darkness, once we have stood at the door, leaning in to see him and to hear him, once we have been healed, once we've made the decision to follow him, Jesus wants us to go on to the next place with him, to continue to share the message, to help heal and free other people. And we can't help but want to do that if we have seen the light. We can't help but want to share the message, to help others find the same light, to be part of how the work continues to unfold in the lives of people around us if we have just a little foolishly stood at the door and leaned in and heard his message and let him set us free. So on this Sunday when we stand as Episcopalians sort of in the middle of one year looking back and also sort of looking forward, listen to this text that reminds you of the strength and the power of the one who is inside the house, the one who can heal you and free you from everything. Allow yourself to be a little foolish, to be like a child, as scripture often encourages us to be, to be awed at who he is and what he can do, at what is otherworldly about him, at what seems impossible. And remember that you need him 
And you need him to be that person. You need even now in the midst of this time, probably especially now, to lean into his light and to let him be the one who leads. And let that push you. Let this knowledge and this awe and this sense of wonder for who he is and what he is in control of, let that push you into this new year as someone who is going to attend to their own spiritual growth, someone who is going to dive more deeply into the story of scripture, someone who wants to learn to pray, someone who wants to find fulfillment in the presence of God. Because when you do that as an individual, first of all, it has untold rewards for you as a person leading toward peace and fulfillment and a sense of contentment and healthy relationships with each other and with our neighbors and meaningful involvement in the life of the world around us and justice seeking and all kinds of goodness that God has prepared for us. But not only do we do that as an individual, when we do it as a community, when we do it together as Christians, as the body of Christ, as the people that God has assembled here, then we become a place where others can come to lean in the door, where they can come to know that they are free, where the energy and the atmosphere is different, where joy seeps out the windows and the doors and the cracks and the crevices, that place in the middle of the woods that shines a light that points towards something real, but something otherworldly, where the goodness of God that seems impossible is visible and tangible and real. A place where you come in to be refreshed and then are ready to go on with Jesus to the next place, to the next person, to the next moment of life-giving, loving, and liberating. May our life together in this coming year be that brightness, not only for us, but for the community around us. May we lean in at the door and invite others to stand with us, to gently push their way in and to hear him set them free. May we together be the proof that there is so much color, so much life, so much power and joy by the grace of God in the middle of the woods. Amen. <laughs>